to have you with us. Well, for some of you may realize that we've been looking at the book of Colossians and we just finished in nine weeks chapter one and there was a lot in there. Uh, what I want you to know is we're going to have a little bit of a pause moment, a little bit of an interlude. And so what we're going to do is this week is a different one-off message that I just felt God has given me. Uh, and then next week we obviously have Craig who will be uh, sharing with us. So, so that will be good. The title of my message, as you can see, is What's in the Cave? It's an interesting title. Uh, I think it is anyway. And I got that by one of my uh, people I follow in podcasts and Instagrams, and it was a one-minute blurb or blog, however you want to communicate that. And it was just in a minute and a half, and he just spoke about something, and it just, I just felt like God just said, you need to speak on this. And I'm thinking, like, where are we going to go with this? And so I just, uh, it's amazing how God can speak to us in all these different ways, isn't it? Just for a little blog. And so I want to encourage you in the next few moments just to go on the journey with us. I don't know if you're into movies or not. I am. I have a few too many probably at home. I do have probably an addiction to movies. And I need to be prayed with that. But anyway, I'm not in any hurry to get prayer, just so you know. Um, I enjoy movies and good TV series and that's just me. It's part of my downtime. It's part of where I just chill out and, uh, and I, find, uh, I find rest. God often will speak to me in those movies and as such, I don't know if you're familiar with Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans here? Yes. Yeah. Over there. Oh, Michael. Joel, did you put your hand up? Thank you very much, Joel. <laughs> don't you worry about that. I think I spelt Yoda wrong, didn't I? I know you did. I did that just for you, just to see if you were paying attention. So we know that you are. I don't know how that happened. Uh, I need a new spell check. Checker. <laughs> it's okay, guy. Into it. Okay. We'll just let you stop there, guy. You're digging a hole for me, I think. There's this clip in Empire Strikes Back, and I just, I haven't been able to play that video. I was hoping to play that, but due to copyrights and all these other things that we're still learning how to work with, there's a little picture just there. And that's Yoda. Yoda is like the, the greatest Jedi in the galaxy, fighting against the dark forces, training over, you know, for 800 years, is training Jedi to, to fight against the forces of darkness. There's a real discipleship thing going on here. And the young Luke is a, uh, a young student who is learning how to fight the force, the dark force. And I, and I love what this scene, if you, you can see, there's, there's YouTubes of this little clip if you haven't got the DVDs. And so there's a bit of a discovery. They're having a bit of a break, and you can see Yoda sitting down there even though he was getting carried on the back of Luke, so I don't know why he's sitting down. But anyway, um, he's just having a little bit of a rest and, and Luke's walking around and Luke says these, these thoughts. As he puts him down and they're talking, he says, I feel cold. He looks to Yoda to say, tell me what this means. I get a sense that he's feeling like I, uh, something shifted in the atmosphere. Something's changed, something's different. I feel something. I don't know what it is. I can't put words to it, but 
I wonder what it means. So he, he, he shares this, and you can see it in the video anyway. But, but that goes to the next point, because there's a cave just up a little bit further. And he stops at this, just before the cave, and he, and he asks Yoda, he says, what's in there? I, I was going to do the voiceover, I could do it. Can you do it really well, Joel? No. Yeah, you can. <laughs> and he, he said this, he goes, whatever you take with you. And I just thought about that, whatever you take with you. Luke starts to put his lifesaver on and, and whatnot, and, and Yoda says, you don't need that. Just, just go in there, what he was saying. What he was saying is that it's not about what you take out on the outside, it's what you take on the inside. It's what you bring with you. So whatever the cave is or whatever the circumstance or whatever the battle or the challenge, that it's not about what we're taking out here, it's about what we're taking in here. I think it's a really great message. I, I see a lot of Star Wars and I see a lot of, a lot of the, the themes of redemption and salvation and good and evil and, and all that. I see probably in everything. That's why I probably like movies. I'm always looking for it. Whatever you take with you. And so what's in the cave? Whatever you take with you. What's in your cave-like experience? Whatever you take with you. What have you got to bring with you? What's inside you? And as I started to think about this story, someone came to mind and that was King David. King David had a cave experience of some sorts. And so we're going to just look at a little bit of what that might mean for us and our cave experience. See, for some of you, maybe 2020 has been a cave experience, particularly if you've been locked down for a number of months like they have been in Victoria. It certainly felt like they were getting cabin fever or cave fever. We had our own small experience of that. But what is that to you? What is, it, what is 2020 to you? What is next? What does the future look like? How will you deal with it? What you do need to know is whatever you take with you is going to be important. Let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 22, just two verses. David left there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. There's a couple of different ways you can pronounce it. I'm going with the Louis version. When his brothers and all his father's house heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in and I love this, I love the, uh, the way that this is translated. All those who were in distress, not that I'm happy about that, but the Ds. And everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. There with him numbered came the men, about 400. There's a picture here, I think you can see, and I watched some videos. Anybody been to the cave of Adullam here at all? Have you seen it? That looks a bit different to the picture I had. 
Thank you, wise one. <laughs> the force is strong with this one. <laughs> is there anything else I need to know, Joel? Oh dear. Okay. Looks different here, but anyway, I'll go with it. Uh, some of the video I've looked at, it's quite a, a complex cave system, and there's lots of little tunnels, there's large areas. If you're thinking of 400 plus being able to be in the cave, uh, this had tiny entrances, as you can see, or not see, um, but there's, <laughs> he's gonna just wipe all my message notes now for payback. No, you're right, mate. It's amazing because you get to think that this place that somehow David knew about this cave, somehow he knew. So David was in one of the greatest challenges of his life. A number of years ago, he was anointed as king, had not yet been appointed, had not yet set in that role. And so life wasn't making a lot of sense for David. And yet there was something about David that we read where God said he was a man after God's own heart. And so I think we're going to look at David and we can sort of find some of the similarities for our own challenges and struggles. What we do know is David had given no reason to believe that he was unfaithful or unworthy. He served the king faithfully. He fulfilled his agreement and obligation to serve the king, King Saul, who, by the way, we all know is a mad king. And we believe that David served the king even in this state with all his heart, regardless even maybe of his own beliefs about the way this king was doing things. And I wonder if David at times would have asked, how did it get to this? Didn't I honour Saul? My king, didn't I honour God? Didn't I get anointed to be king? What have I done wrong? What have I messed up here? In the previous chapter, David lied to save his butt. David foamed at the mouth to look like a, a madman so that he could be get set free to get out and get away, and that's what he does. And he goes to the cave. What is your cave? Do you have a cave? A place where you go, a place where you, you try and sort out God? What's, maybe church could be the cave. The gathered presence of us all coming together, maybe church is a symbol of the cave. I'm sure David is thinking this is so wrong on so many levels. I clearly remember being anointed and now here I am running and hiding. And the book of Job says, look, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. Have you had moments where you think, God, you are so far away right now? I know when I read the scripture that you, you say you're with me and you're omnipresent. There's no place I can go, but it doesn't feel like that. So here's a couple of thoughts you need to consider. 
taking with you into the cave or your cave like. Number one, take heart. Verse one says, David left there and escaped the cave of Adullam. Psalm 27, some of these scriptures won't be there. Joel, I'd just like to mess it, give it back to you. Um, <laughs> it's not there, did you say you were looking for it? Actually, it might be there, just keep looking. Um, wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord. The word Adullam means justice of the people. It includes the idea of retreat, but even refuge. There's clearly an indication you could picture the cave almost being a place of restoration and healing. But God begins to do a, a work in us. Maybe it's in our waiting or in between the promise. Granville mentioned last, last week about that dash moment that we're living in right now of our lives. In Job, just going back to Job, it says, I look forward, but he is not there and backward, but I cannot perceive him. When he works on the left hand, I cannot behold him. When he turns to the right hand, I cannot see him. But verse 10 says this, but he knows the way that I take. Very odd. He has tested me and I shall come forth as gold. David is saying that I didn't expect but I know what I know and this is what I know, that God is faithful and God knows. In Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table. Even though I walk, you comfort me. You restore me. You are with me. Even though I'm walking through uncharted territory, David had a sense of expecting the unexpected. And why others see our cave or our mess, just maybe there's a message in there. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, for God does not give me a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and sound mind. Or Psalm 31 says, be strong and take heart, or you hope in the Lord. The great mathematician and philosopher Pythagoras said this, man, know thyself, then thou shalt know the universe and God. Take heart is learning who we are, discovering who we are in the midst of the journey. Maybe seeing a reflection of, of what God is seeing, but we are learning to see that with greater insight. What would David be thinking of when he's in this cave? Well, we get to see what he's thinking of because Psalm 57, Psalm 142, and even Psalm 34, when he was acting like the madman, gives us insight into what is going on in David's heart. This is what he says in Psalm 57, my heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. This means to be certain and established, fused. Here he is in a cave, he's, he's hiding and he's writing these words and 
putting pen to paper and journaling his experience out. In Psalm 34, there's David's witness of heart and goodness of God. He says, I sought the Lord. Oh, bless the Lord. Really, David? You, you, you're going to do that? You're going to say that? Come before him. I think if you want to know how to get through stuff and how to do life, I think you want to talk to David. Later on in 1 Samuel 30, there was great distress. He's got 600 men plus with him, thereabouts. And David comes back and the village had been burnt down and raided and the families are taken. And guess what these men want to do? They want to kill David. And it says this, David was in great distress because of the people in their bitterness. He's, they said that they want to stone him. They were thinking of their sons and daughters. But the Bible says that David found strength in God. David took into the cave the strength of God. Didn't understand the circumstances, didn't have the reasons why, didn't have the answers. He just knew that God was with him. How much more do we need to know that God is with us? Number two, if you're going to go into the cave, you need to take grace. Have a jingle with this, is space in the grace. So when his brothers, it says this, when his brothers and all his family heard of it, they went to, down to where he was. That's a, don't you think that's bizarre? David is on the run. He is a fugitive. There's po posters and drawings on trees and in the sand and of, of, this, of his image, if you can get what I'm talking about. He was the number one fugitive. There were warrants out for his arrest. David was wanted. He was hunted. So not does he take heart, but he takes grace. Because his family want to be with him. If there was something, say, just pretend for a moment, just humor me. Maybe Tasmania was just isolated a little bit. And there's some horrific virus just on Tasmania, nowhere else. And we're doing it tough. And then my children ring me and say, Dad, we want to come and be with you. And I'm thinking, as a dad, I'll be saying, don't, what are you doing? Go everywhere else. Don't come here. It's not safe. But David's family wanted to be with him. I think this is interesting. What did they see? Why? Was it encouragement? We still believe in your son. You can do this. We've talked about our vision, seeing God change lives for me. What did they see? They saw something of David in this moment. And I believe the disciples and people who followed Jesus saw something in Jesus. And they wanted to know more. See, David carried the presence. And people knew it. They saw something. When we think of grace, we get the sense of being favoured or to become or be. 
I, I, I've read this years ago, and my version, my translation of grace is God's enabling or empowering presence. And this is David's life, and his parents saw something, putting their own lives at risk. I think it, it really helps when we see this, that this was tough. This wouldn't have been easy for David. Straight away, he just wanted to get out of the land, get out of enemy territory and go and hide and just go into the cave and meet with God. So he takes heart into the cave. He experiences, he brings that grace with him that knows that God will do whatever he needs to do. In 2 Corinthians, we know Paul talks about my grace is sufficient. It means to be processed of unfailing strength, to be strong, to defend and ward off. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's grace. In Colossians 1.27, we talked about this last week, that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That's grace. In 1 John 4, 4, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's grace. Or as David says in the cave in Psalm 142, verse 5, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. That's grace. When we think that maybe they didn't know, David knew grace. He knew Christ's empowering, enabling presence. And people could see that. His family could see there was something that David had and they wanted it. Rather than being pushed away, they wanted to come near. Totally opposite what we maybe would like to have done. But there's something else that happens. If you've got a cave-like experience going on, you're going to take vision. You've got to see. You've got to make decision. Vision needs decision. Look at who came to him. Everyone who was in distress. Could you just imagine now, let's just picture church of being this cave, this place where we gather together. We are the church. But as we come together, imagine if we resembled this cave-like experience for people. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and we're not just talking owing a few dollars, their lives would be paid for not paying the debt. These were heavily, heavily, heavy debts for a lot of reasons. And everyone was discontented. They gathered to him. And then it says, we don't know how long it took, but in time they made him. They appointed him. Before his official appointment, they said, we want you to be our leader because we see God is with you. That's crazy. Can you imagine the vetting process of this? I thought about this. Saul had, the king had a lot of spies. And so David has got all these men coming and say, we want to be part of you. And you'd be thinking like, which one's going to knife me? Which one's going to do this? Which one, who, who's for me? There would have to have been some vetting process because these people are not people you and I would probably invite to our homes to meet our kids. They were rough, they were tough, they were valiant, they were fearsome. 
They were scary. Not the sort of individuals you'd like to meet down a dark valley. Someone said this, they were broke, busted and disgusted. They were outcasts. And the Bible actually says this literally, they were men of low character. They would do anything for whom they served and pledged allegiance to. I started to think about that and I think about these men coming to them and I shared this the other week and I feel like God is saying this again to us in Luke where Jesus is speaking about his vision. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable acceptable year of the Lord. This is what David carried. He carried vision. Even in a hopeless situation, even in his cave-like experience. Very vastly different from the temple. Vastly different from the castle. Sorry, different from the castle and what he's experienced. Maybe David's greatest crime or punishment was he was too good at what he did. And everywhere David went, even to the cave, there was a trail of disaster. People lost their lives. Lives. From the lie, people lost their lives. Because the king thought that they were siding with David. This word distress refers to oppressed to the point of anguish. Great stress, great pressure. The debt, heavy debt. Not just the debt that you eventually pay. You couldn't pay these debts back. Reminds us of our own debt that we couldn't pay. There's a picture here. Discontented is really interesting. It, it's probably very interesting and impressed me the most. It's, it's actually two words combined together. In short, it means bitter soul. These men were embittered by their circumstances and they served the king loyal. But as soon as David took off, they went with David because they could see he had heart. They could see God's grace on his life, that David was still walking with God and there was grace evident. But David also displayed vision and hope. And they chose to go with David. They chose the cave. I think it's an amazing story. I don't know if you ever thought much about it. Or the discouraged and disillusioned and frustrated and hurt, chose to be with David. Maybe David is a type, a picture of Christ. He's not the Christ, but he's a picture. David didn't tell them to leave. David didn't tell them to, you guys, I'm, I'm wanted. I'm hot property. You need to get away from me. Plus, you guys, how can I hide now? This is me. Okay, now there's my family, now there's 400 plus. This is, we're, we're, we're like sitting ducks. But he didn't. And what we find, the valence of these men, and we read the names, there was the 600, there was the 400, there was even uh, a smaller group, a number up to 30, that are named by name of who these are. Then there was the three primary chief fighters. But similar to Jesus. He had the three, he had the 12, there's the 70, and there was the others. 
Very interesting. So David trusted in God and he found solace. He found peace, he found grace. And he found honour in a cave where he was appointed as captain. I wrote this down at the end that what are you going to take and what am I going to take into my cave? But that experience may be, maybe you're fighting and maybe you're in a cave right now. Maybe you're challenged about the season or what's ahead of you or what's happening or what changes are going on. When I look at this cave, I see that God turned a hideout into a holy place. When I look at this cave-like experience, that God turned a hopeless cave into a healing place. For those who came to him, but also for David. You know, sometimes we're going through stuff, but we can still be God's greatest answer for that individual or that person. Because even if we go through stuff and they can see that there's grace on us and there's God in us working and we don't understand and we don't know how to put words to our feelings or our experiences, but if people can still see that in what you're going through, there's, there's God's grace, that you've got heart. Oh, doesn't that give hope? I want to talk to that person. I've seen those people and I trust I'm becoming that person and you are as well. I also see that God turned this humble cave that began with one into a place of honour. So what's in your cave? What are you taking into your cave? Maybe this cave-like experience as I invite those to come up. We get ready to close. Maybe the cave-like experience for Jesus. It was a place of separation and grief. Loss and difference. He's gone before us, ahead of us. He's checked out the cave. He's checked out the battle. There's no one greater than Jesus. And he says to you, I am with you. And I'm greater in you than he is in the world. He says that you need faith because we walk by faith and not by sight. But he says to you, you can make it and you can do it. I've overcome the enemy. I've triumphed. I have victory and I have the keys. And I'm coming back again. Is that not the hope that we have? In the midst of discomfort, alienation, isolation, pain, loss, grief, challenge, hurt, mess, complicated, yucky,
edge of the cave. The message of our caves, our challenges and our battles. Come on. Post-COVID-19, what a messy year this has been.
Deus. Aleluia.